Hello and welcome. This is Background Screening Tips and Tech with me, Tim Santoni, and are my co-host, Joe Berlin. How's it going, Joe? It's going, Tim. How are you? I'm doing well. Uh, well, today uh, we're one week out from the PBSA conference, the Professional Background Screening Association Conference of America that, that took place last week. Uh, it was a very much a diff different contents, uh, pardon me, a different conference, uh, virtual. Uh, so Joe, you know, what are your high level takeaways and what did you, you gain from it uh, at a virtual level? Yeah, I mean, it was it was definitely interesting. I haven't done a virtual conference, I think, ever. Um, and so um, it, it would have been nice to see everybody in person. But, um, you know, it was still great content from the industry. Um, it's always good when you can meet up with other industry experts and kind of talk about what's going on, what's coming down the pipeline, put minds together, kind of think of new and innovative ways to help out the end user. Um, so all in all, uh, the content was great. Um, it, it was pretty smooth uh, for as many people that attend uh, and kind of, you know, everybody from home and using Wi-Fi and there, there wasn't a lot of outages or anything like that. It was really, really smooth. So kudos to that team. Yeah, I think they did a really great job. The, the people that chaired the event, obviously at a virtual level, it's very difficult, but it was cool to chat and interact with people in the sidebar as, as the presentations were going on. Obviously meeting up face-to-face, -face, grabbing a drink, grabbing something to eat was the part that I missed. Um, but I think at a, at a high level, you know, they're, the PBSA's focus on training, both for the uh, HR professionals as well as the background screening companies and elevating the profession is really what they're focused on. And I think that, that there's a couple um, underlying themes, obviously the migration from the change from NAPBS to the PBSA logo brand change and also the international impact of background screening as a global industry um, was definitely um, something that uh, I noticed changing this year. Uh, we're going to hit on a couple high-level things, and I think the first one that was was out there. There was a lot of content around was the criminal monitoring or continuous cr criminal monitoring. Joe, what did what did you hear? Uh, what were your takeaways on the criminal monitoring uh, presentations and kind of insights that you you um, heard about? Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, great speakers in regards to that. Right, um, there there are two data providers that are providing that type of service, and and both of them came together to speak about uh, continuous monitoring as a whole. And uh, I think one of the big takeaways there for me was that the EEOC um, actually provides some guidelines on, on ways to use arrest record, right? So typically employers are always thinking, hey, I need to use this conviction, you know, don't, don't utilize arrest records. But I think definitely depending on regulations and industry, um, depending on the employer themselves, uh, you can use arrest records. There's very specific ways to do that. And Tim, I think we said uh, we actually have a link to the EEOC's website, and I think we'll share that with the audience. So uh, anybody who's interested, follow that and learn. So. Yeah, definitely. We'll link that up in the show notes below. If you're watching or listening, you know, feel free to connect on the YouTube channel and you can get that link there. Um, another thing that we talked about um, was that obviously the data is available and the two different providers have a little bit different um philosophy on what's important as far as continuous criminal monitoring. The big difference there is arrest records versus arrest records plus the court record to understand what the arrests are for and the potential uh, criminal charges that are out there. Uh, and, and from a compliance perspective and a policy perspective, I think that's the next step with employers and how do we implement this in our organization if we're not a security company or we're not an in-home delivery company, how does it apply? And I think that one huge thing, obviously consult with legal counsel and your HR uh, folks within your organization. But one thing that, that was talked about was a self-reporting policy, which is you implement a policy within your organization in your business that says, if you are arrested, you have a duty to self-report. Failure to self-report is a violation of your policies. And then you're running the, the arrest record search and 
criminal monitoring search and those things come up and then you have some information as it relates to um, kind of being forewarned and having more transparency with your organization. So that's kind of a high level thing. And again, we, we uh, there's a lot of different implications of continuous criminal monitoring and there's complications in terms of updating the employers, uh, employees on your list as far as if you're an employer that's monitoring and from a research perspective, what information you will put through, minor violations of traffic versus you know high level uh, misdemeanors and felonies, all these little nuances that are out there depending on where you operate, what industry you're in and what state um, you operate in. So there's a lot of complexities, but obviously your screening partner can be an, a resource when it comes to dialing that kind of stuff in. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I think the other interesting topic for me, um, because it's becoming so prevalent and so many more states are kind of going the route of legalizing uh, marijuana for medical purposes or recreational purposes or both. And employers have to deal with that, right? So what do, what do they do? And so there was a, there was some good conversation around that. Um, I don't want to jump into the particulars. Uh, a lot of it has to do with legal talk and so forth. So I don't want to steer anybody the wrong way in that regard, but definitely an interesting conversation and something that I myself starting to dive a little. Now you're in California, Tim, so you guys have been dealing with it probably a little bit longer than anybody else. Um, so I don't know if you have any feedback there. Yeah. So, I mean, uh- the interesting thing is, is that, right, the legalization or, you know, recreational use and prescription use of marijuana has become an issue. And so there's been a couple of different thoughts. One is, is that it's not legal to, to, you know, be high in the workplace. However, we have seen um, employers adopt what we call a four panel, which is your five panel traditional street level narcotics minus THC. One, because of the, the legal implications as far as legality. And two is because they're worried about reducing the potential pool and workforce, and they're not necessarily concerned about restricting someone um, for a variety of reasons. But I think that that's an employer by employer decision. Obviously, in non-regulated industries, it's no big deal if they're DOT regulated, they have drivers, or you're in transportation or in medical. That's a whole different ballgame. But I think that we're going to see those changes over time, um, especially in states where recreational and, and legal use of marijuana is prevalent. Um, and again, it's, it's really just a risk factor, one of those other risk factors to, to evaluate as part of your screening process if you are an employer. So it, it, again, tons of legal complexity there, but definitely seeing some changes um, as it relates to how and when employers are looking to screen people uh, you know, for substance abuse. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So, I mean, I, you know, other than those two topics, uh, a lot of the conversation revolved around you know, internal kind of industry stuff that Quite frankly, the end user would just be bored hearing. But um, you know, ultimately, it was great to see uh, some familiar names, hear from those people, talk, um, get to kind of hook up and meet and talk with those guys virtually as well. Uh, again, it would have been great to do it in person, but still a good time. Yeah, and I think it was the overall sentiment is that obviously the, the COVID situation has dramatically changed the background screening industry. But I think that the industry remains strong. I think that there's really some really invested people that are passionate about the industry at a variety of levels. And the PBSA does a great job of bringing those people together, um, really influential, smart people to give good guidance to the industry. And again, improving the, the overall you know, compliance as a whole, uh, the training, and, and really looking to integrate all the different people in the industry to elevate things and separate kind of the myths from the facts and looking to the future in terms of what the background screening industry will look like. They do a really, really great job of that. And again, hopefully um, next year, um, 
the conference is supposed to be in Anaheim, California, and I hope that uh, we're able to connect with a lot of our industry professionals and partners in person. Um, but uh, I think that all in all, it went over pretty well. Um, any final parting thoughts, uh, Joe, as we move into, uh, you know, end of the year and, and what, what clients may be looking for uh, as we move into seasonal workforce and, and kind of things that you've seen that, that employers may want to be hearing, hearing about? Um, not necessarily. I mean, you mentioned it, right? We're getting into the end of the year. This is a, a time where a lot of employers start to think about budgeting next year. Uh, they start to think about um, evaluating their current partner. Um, and so, you know, I think it's just a matter of kind of having, having as many conversations as possible. Uh, about some of these new things that are taking employers have a lot in their, especially HR, um, you know, whether it was a downsizing or furloughed employees that bring those individuals back um, on top of bringing them back. They've got things to think about. It's criminal monitor. Police drug policy. Be running background checks and ATS integration. A lot of these things that you and I have been talking about. So HR has got a lot on their plate uh, and I think it's up to any partner out there be that support system for them. Uh, and now's the time of year to, to. Yeah, Joe, that's, that's a really great point. I think that kudos to all the HR professionals that have weathered the storm. They've had a lot to do in a really short period of time. And the concerns they have are different probably more than at any time before. And really, um, you know, you know, the screening partner should be there to support them and guide them through this process as they're dealing with a variety of issues that impact their organization, their workforce, um, and the compliance. And so hopefully that, uh, all you HR professionals, kudos to you. Thank you for weathering the storm. Um, if you have any questions for Joe and or, or I will link up our information in the show notes. Um, please look for us on the Apple podcast. We're now available background screening tips and tech. We are available wherever you get your podcasts and you can also check us out on YouTube if you want to watch or listen to us there. Um, and if you have any questions that you want us to cover on a future uh, podcast, please let us know. Thanks so much for tuning in. Whether you're listening or watching, we appreciate it. And we will connect with you very soon. Thanks, Joe. Thanks, everyone.